The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. They say that there's a quiet before the storm. And on this Tentacle Tuesday, we seem to find ourselves inside the eye of our particular journey. As we partially reunite with some old friends. And it's good to see you finding some joy even here in the darkness, hmm, detective? But as Jonas sees, a storm looms on the horizon that may mean no dawn at all, but instead, utter destruction. Will that get you moving? Will it steer you into action? Or further into loneliness and possible madness? I wonder. For as the frog will tell you, it's not easy being green, nor is it easy being one of his chosen few. Now it's time to... What? Sorry, what was that? Oh, bother, yes. I do get forgetful while having so much fun. This podcast does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and naughty, salty language, and is not recommended for children under the age of 13. Now, grab your tentacles as we return to the cottage. In Chapter 16, Unexpected Company. The sound of the tea kettle whistling loudly woke Stevens from his deep sleep. Yawning and stretching himself out, he gave himself a few minutes to allow his head and vision to clear. Slowly pulling himself forward in the old rocker, he turned to see Jonah frying some bacon on the old wood stove. Damn, he said. That smells good. His stomach growled loudly in agreement. Any coffee? Sorry, no, Jonah replied. I'm afraid the cupboard was pretty bare. Warren looked around the room. The table had been cleared of clutter, and now lying down the middle were a bowl of apples, oranges, and bananas, a plate of fresh-baked bread, honey, and a knife and a tub of butter. Around the edges, six places had been set. Warren rubbed his eyes and looked at the table again to make sure he wasn't seeing things. Nope. The table had been set for six. Jonah? Hmm? Have you forgotten how to count? There are only three of us here, and I'm not even sure the girl's going to be able to eat. Jonah smiled. No, and I've been quite busy while you slept. So I see. Did you? Sleep? Jonah laughed and replied, yes. I just don't need as much sleep as you. Plus, as you will see, I've had help. As if on cue, the front door of the cottage opened wide. The setting sun giving light to the silhouettes of Rich Donaldson and Josephine Kuchma. Behind them stood a strange lady wearing a black dress. Rich! Warren exclaimed as he rushed over to give the man a hug. Rich smiled from ear to ear and said, Easy, easy, I have my hands full. And he did. He had bags with eggs, cheese, and... Coffee! You son of a... Hey, I wouldn't forget you, partner. Besides, I owe you a cup. Mitch Kuchma stood shyly behind him. 
unsure of what to do or how to react. Hello again, she said softly. Where are my manners, Stephen said. Come in, come in. He could almost hear his grandfather chuckling with delight behind him. They went in and Jonah took the groceries. I'll put up breakfast. Maggie, can you give me a hand? But Maggie just stood there outside the door frame, eyeing the detective uneasily. I'm sorry, uh, we haven't met, have we? Warren asked. No, we haven't, she responded in a cool, unemotional way. I'm, Warren went to introduce himself. I know who you are, detective, she responded quickly. Maggie, Jonah came over. The others too busy with pleasantries and filling their bellies to notice the exchange. Please, excuse me. Jonah, I must return to the tower. This has exhausted me. Yes, I understand, Jonah said. Go, we'll be fine. Warren gave her an inquisitive look and asked, Have I offended you somehow, miss? No, detective, no. Please accept my apologies and my sympathies. With that, she turned and walked back out the door. Warren felt a hand on his shoulder. Hey, don't look too much into that. Maggie's coming back from a very dark place. Your grandfather and I... It's okay, Jonah. You can tell me about it another time. Let's eat. Everyone was sitting at the table. Donaldson, as usual, was yucking it up when a small figure emerged from the bedroom, still bundled in the detective's gray trench coat. Miss Kuchman's eyes opened wide when she saw her. Alex! She ran over, wrapping herself around her daughter, kissing and stroking her hair. Alex, oh dear God, I thought I lost you! But her lack of response made her turn back to the detective and Jonah. What's wrong with her? Jonah handed her a cup of tea and had the two sit down at the table. I've managed to undo the damage to her body by the cult, but her soul is still wandering. What do you mean? Jonah told her how the cult used a special blade and dark magic to rip her soul from her body. That luckily, Detective Stevens had showed up when he did. That he had accidentally stopped the process before it had been completed, sparing her the misery of a soul jar, keeping her body from being infused by a tainted soul or being used as a doll for the cult's dark purposes. Can you save her? Yes, Jonah replied, but I'm afraid it might be costly. I don't care. I'll do anything. I'll pay anything to get her back, Miss Kutchman said, looking at him in a woeful manner. Josephine. That's not quite what I meant, Jonah replied. But, but let's not worry about that right now. Things are still moving, changing. We might be able to do this without any further loss. Then Warren said, That reminds me, how the hell did you two get here? The last thing I knew, Rich, you were having surgery. Rich laughed. That, that's a story in itself. I'm still not sure I believe it. Taking another chunk of bread and a gulp of coffee, he began to tell his tale. Detective Donaldson awakened to find himself lying in a hospital bed, a heart monitor rhythmically beeping next to him. His head hurt, more like pounded, as things still seemed blurry, out of focus in the dull fluorescent glow of the hospital lights. Across the room sat an older black man wearing a lab coat, sleeping under a singular blanket in one of the chairs usually reserved for visitors. As he tried to sit up, he pulled a few wires and the IV tubes attached to him, creating a bit of a clatter, waking up the doctor. Oh good, you're awake, the doctor said. 
Donaldson winced a little and laid back down into the bed. I wouldn't try sitting up, the doctor continued. You have several sutures in your back and a nasty concussion. Oh, good, Donaldson answered. I thought maybe an elephant was dancing in my head. Anyway, doctor, what happened? And, no offense, why the special treatment? Shouldn't there be a nurse keeping an eye on me? Honestly, son, the nurse needed a break. We've been running nonstop for 10 hours. I sat down while she went to grab a bite. And then he laughed, seeing the blanket on his lap. I guess I must have dozed off too. Donaldson laughed. It sounds like you both needed a break. Anyway, back to my question. What happened? Your partner brought you in. Apparently, the house that you were investigating had been booby-trapped. You got knocked unconscious with a sizable piece of wood in your back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I sort of remember that. Hey, speaking of my partner, where is he? That's right. You don't know. Know what? A scream came from down the hallway, and the doctor raced out of the room. Excuse me. Nurse, what's happening? As he left the room, he spied a woman dressed all in black marching towards Miss Kuchma's room. Excuse me, ma'am. This floor is a high-security area. You'll need to leave. She just ignored him, pushing him aside. Rich struggled his way out of bed and to the door of his room. Detective, get back in bed. You're risking opening those sutures. Rich leaned hard on the IV stand, trying to intercept the intruder. I can't allow you, but the woman just looked at him and scoffed. A couple of security guards came running down the hall, and she frowned. I don't have time to play with you children right now, she said, and with a flick of her fingers they found themselves on their asses. The doctor tried catching up to her, but she waltzed past him again, eyeing him with a gaze that made his blood freeze. He watched her enter Miss Kuchma's room, picking up her body. A shot rang out, missing her hitting the wall. Don't fire that off in here, you idiot! The doctor hollered at the security guard. You can hit the patient! He continued to point the gun at the woman, shaking where he stood. Rich, using the IV stand as a crutch, walked over to him. Hey, give that to me. I'm a cop. The guard nodded and handed him the gun, and Donaldson pointed it at the woman. Now, lady, while he might miss, I won't, the detective said. Now put down the patient and step aside. Maggie shook her head. I said, I don't have time to play with you children. She pulled Miss Kuchman's face up to hers and kissed her. A flash of light leapt from her mouth and she placed Miss Kuchman on the floor. Where am I? Miss Kuchman asked. The nurse and the doctor looked at each other. No way, the nurse said. The doctor slowly approached. Josephine? Yes, why? Well, until five minutes ago, you were in a coma, looking at Maggie. Please, ma'am, may I check her over? Do as you wish, human. Then she looked over at Donaldson. You. You have his scent. I will need you. Um, lady, I'm married. I can't. She growled a little. Stop being a fool and let me touch you. Donaldson just stared helplessly as she raised her right hand and placed it on his temple and then leaned in, kissing him. Donaldson immediately stood straight up, feeling around to his back. The wound was gone. Sutures, too. Whoa. The nurse ran over. 
What did you do to him? I transferred some of my energy to him. If you must examine him, do so quickly. I am in need of him and that woman. The nurse did exactly that, looking him over and then over at the doctor. They both stood there speechless. Besides the scar, he's fine. The doctor shook his head. Miss Kutchman, too. Who the hell are you, lady? That human is something you are not ready to know. The nurse getting tired of being talked down to. Oh, well, sorry, your majesty. We pitiful humans just want... Maggie's eyes began to blaze and the nurse backed away. Daughter of Eve, I have seen things that would melt your tiny brain into goo. Now, if these two are clear, as I said, I have need of them. The doctor shrugged his shoulders helplessly. Good. Now, step aside. Human named Kuchma and Donaldson, come hither. They did so without any resistance. Maggie raised both her arms from side to side. Black feathers swirled around the three as a ring of purple light rose from the floor like a column until it covered them, and once it did, they vanished. The doctor looked over at the nurse, who just slid down onto the floor. Doctor, I know it's against the rules, but after that, I need a drink. Donaldson leaned back into his chair at the table, saying, Next thing you know, I'm holding a bag of groceries and standing at the cottage door. Wow, that is quite a story, Warren added. No kidding, Rich replied. Speaking of which, where is my savior? She had to leave, Jonah said. She was injured a long time ago saving my life. Oh, I'm sorry, he said disappointed. She's one incredible lady, Jonah smiled. You have no idea. Well, Donaldson added, I just wanted to thank her again. Man, I've never felt better. I'll make sure I pass the message along. Now, all of you, eat. As they did so, Jonah left the table and went outside. Stevens followed. You're not planning on leaving us, are you? No, not yet, old friend. We have a lot of work to do. Hey, Warren said. Earlier, what was that all about? Do you remember the first time we met Warren? Absolutely. Do you remember that Uriel gave you a special gift? Yeah, he said. She said, it was his peace. I've always assumed that meant, you know, God, uh, Jesus, right? Yes, Warren, that would be correct. What I've never understood is, how could she know such a thing or be able to give it? Well, Jonah replied, do you remember any of the Old Testament the Garden of Eden? <laughs> yeah, we blew it. God got pissed, tossed us out on our proverbial asses, and set an angel to... He paused. Wait. No. That can't be. That's all just a story. Stories have their roots in truth, Jonah said, looking at the stars as they began to shine across the moonless night. You mean Uriel's? An angel? Yes. She's the fourth of the archangels. I told you. The universe is much older, much more complex than you can begin to imagine. Well, Stephen said, I can imagine quite a bit. Yes, Warren, yes you can. Come on, let's gather some things. He will be here soon to guide us to the gate. He? Mr. Alistair. Sounds ominous. Maybe once, yes, but he's actually quite charming when you get to know him. 
Oh, hey, Warren said. You never did answer my original question. Ah, I was hoping you had forgotten that, Jonah said with half a smile. Uriel gave you that gift because such a heavy darkness clings to you. She was hoping it would make that burden lighter. So, this darkness, is it still there? He asked. Yes, Jonah replied. Unfortunately, it is. Is this... Are all these things happening because of me, Jonah? Am I cursed? Did Karen and little Jack die because of... Warren, stop. You know that no man is destined for anything. That he gave us free reign. That's why we fell. But Warren was hurting. But I've lost so much. So many of my friends, Jonah. I've tried to keep them away from this world. But it keeps pulling me back into it. Dragging everyone and everything I love into it. Warren. Bullshit. A voice came from behind him. It was Donaldson. I asked to be a part of this. Rogers, God knows what happened to him and why he's like this. But, but you didn't cause that. If anything, a lot of us owe you a debt of gratitude. You've stood up against this darkness all by yourself all these last few years while we lived our shallow little lives believing we were safe. Rich, I... Come on, Warren. Stop the pity party. Once more, he felt the tug at his side and looked over. She just walked out here, Miss Kuchma said. It seems she's worried about you. Stevens looked down, hot tears still burning in his eyes. Okay, okay, he said in a half smile. Let me grab some of that coffee in a Danish. They all went inside. Jonah held back for a few moments. Looking up at the stars, he didn't like what he saw. He had the hope that the help he sent for would be enough. Using Maggie to rescue Miss Kuchma, while a good thing had left him without a valuable asset, and things were going to get dicey when they faced off against Rune and the cult. But Rune wasn't his biggest concern. If she came, Cassandra, the High Mother and leader of the Cadric Order, he ran his hand across the scar he received from the last time they met. Like Warren, he too felt a little cursed. Being one of his didn't make life easy. If anything, it only made things more difficult. He re-entered the cottage and watched a merriment quietly in a corner. It was good that here, even in the midst of such evil, they could find some joy. Still, a heaviness clung to all of them. Even if they were successful, a knock came at the door. It was time. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. Time seems to be running out for our friend, Geraldine Hicks. And you were so close to being free. Ah, oh, what a pity. <laughs> and why does Jonah keep looking up at the stars? Is he hoping for some good news? Nevertheless, it seems there is none. So with that knock on the door, we re-enter the brewing storm. For far away a gong is tolling, and men of mud bring their prize to the feet of Master Rune. Will they succeed with their sacrifice? Will Ikyatsu be making another appearance? Maybe I should go get some red sauce to go with my calamar. <laughs> and who is this Mr. Alistair Jonah speaks of? 
Well, I guess we'll have to wait till next week to find that out. In chapter 17, The Men of Mud.